This week on the podcast, we're talking with Caitlin Mahar. Caitlin is on the engineering team here at MongoDB, and she's responsible for the Swift driver as well as the Rust driver. She shares some details about each of these drivers, about how they're used, what they're used for, as well as her journey from a student at MIT through the internship program and uh, what it's like to work here at MongoDB. I hope you enjoy the episode. You're listening to the MongoDB Podcast. MongoDB Podcast. Exploring the world of software development, data, and all things MongoDB. And now your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy. Hi, Caitlin. It's great to have you on the podcast. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. So Nick and I are here. And um, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about yourself? Who is Caitlin Mahar? I am a lead engineer at MongoDB, and I manage the teams developing our Swift and Rust drivers. Uh, I've been at MongoDB for a little over three years now. So I came here. Well, first I did an internship here. Uh, and then I went back and did my last year of school. And then I came back to MongoDB and I've been here ever since. Fantastic. And where did you go to school? I went to MIT. Oh, fantastic. What did you study at MIT? Uh, computer science. <laughs> go figure. <laughs> That's great. Very surprising. Yeah. yeah. So I was in Boston for about five years and now I've been in New York City ever since. Tell me a little bit about your experience at MIT. I mean, it's it's a prestigious school. It's got a great reputation. Tell me about your experience. How was that? It was good. Uh, I had a really good good experience there. It was really hard, like the hardest thing I've ever done, definitely. But um, it was really cool to be surrounded by other people with similar interests in science and technology and to be around where so much kind of awesome cutting edge work was going on. And uh, I met really great people who are still, you know, among my closest friends. So, so yeah, overall, I'm glad I went. So when you did the uh, internship program at MongoDB, was that on the same team that you're on now? Was it for the driver's team or were you doing something else within MongoDB as part of the internship? Uh, No, I was not on the driver's team. I interned on the cloud team working on the automation agent, um, which when you're running MongoDB in the cloud, you install this agent on each of the servers and it will handle a lot of things for you like upgrading your MongoDB version or restarting the server or that sort of thing. So why why the shift between the two teams? Was it just whatever was available or did you have preference doing Swift and Rust? So when I came back as a new grad full-time, I went through MongoDB's new grad rotation program where you rotate through three different engineering teams and try them out for six weeks each. And at the end of that, you... Um, have the option to go back to any of those teams as well as the team you interned on. And um, well, I had a really great time interning. I also uh, really, really enjoyed my experience rotating on the driver's team, where I actually at that time I worked on the Node.js driver. And I felt like drivers was a better fit for my interests and where I wanted my career to go. So as an intern, it's pretty steep competition to get an intern spot. What was the interview process like to, to get onto the intern program? Well, it's been a while now, but I don't think it's changed much. 
since then. So if I recall correctly, there's a phone screen to start. Um, and then if that goes well, you do an on-site interview, which sometimes is not actually always on-site because we'll interview people who go to school on the West Coast or somewhere where they can't travel. I did come on-site since I was just coming from Boston and I was able to make a somewhat long, but it was a day trip to come do the interview. So then I came on site and did, inter- I think, three interviews with full-time engineers at the company. Um, and I had a really great experience when I was here for the day, like a really you know good feeling about the people that I met. Uh, and I felt like it would be a really great place to intern. So I was very happy to get an offer. Hmm, that's great. And prior to MIT, what, what prepared you? Did you do uh, computer science in high school? Were you always interested in computers? No, not at all. I mean, I, I liked computers because I liked going on them and talking to my friends on instant messaging and whatever. Uh, but I'd never done any programming at all before I went to college. I did. I liked math and science. And in particular, I really liked physics. And that was why I decided to apply to and go to MIT. It wasn't until I got there and I learned that something like a third of people there were computer science majors that I decided well, maybe I should try this thing out and, you know, see see why everyone seems to like it so much. And so I took a couple of classes and I really liked them. So then I decided to study computer science. That's great. So now you're on board at MongoDB. You've gone through the intern. You, you, you probably have a pretty good idea, good understanding of the lay of the land, how things work at MongoDB. And then uh, tell us about your first, first couple projects at MongoDB. What did you work on early on? Hmm. Like when I was uh, rotating or once I joined the driver's team? How about once you got into the driver's team? What what were you focusing on early on in the driver's team? Well, basically right when I joined the team was when we were starting to build a Swift driver. And my manager asked me if I wanted to work on that. I had never written Swift before. I didn't know that much about drivers beyond my rotation, but it seemed cool to work on a brand new project. So I decided to try it. Um, And... So that was mostly what I was focusing on was writing a brand new driver. So thinking about things like how do you add a new CRUD API in a new language? Um, and what should the library for working with BSON in this new language look like? And so that was pretty challenging because I was both trying to learn a new language, which also my manager didn't know either, uh, and kind of wrap my head around all the things that you needed to do in a driver. Uh but it was very cool, as you maybe could have guessed, since I still work on that project today. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, had you had any Objective-C experience prior to, to working with Swift? No, I didn't. Okay. So I, I still, to this day, have not really written an iOS app. You know, I've done, I guess, the really, really basic like to-do list app. But most of my Swift experience has been on the server side. Yeah. And so folks coming to the podcast from the mobile development community, you may be confused. Uh, We're talking about Swift and we're not talking about mobile development. We're going to get to that. But before we do, I just want to expand on the concept of a driver for those listeners that may be new to MongoDB. uh, We have this concept of a driver. Can maybe from your perspective, can you describe what that is for someone that may not know what a driver is? Sure. So a driver is a client library that uh, enables you to you like talk to MongoDB from your application. So say you're writing an application in Python or Java or Ruby or Swift, 
and you want to use MongoDB as the database, you need a way to actually communicate with MongoDB, the server. And that's where the driver comes in. So the driver sort of knows how to speak the same language as the server, which we call the wire protocol, and enables you to send commands to MongoDB to insert data, to look up data, create indexes, drop collections, all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And we always hear this word idiomatic. Tell us what that means to you. This is a tricky word to define that I've struggled with some in the past. I think that when we use idiomatic, we mean uh, something is idiomatic if it's consistent with how other things in that programming language are done. You know, there's certain ways that Python APIs usually look, and those are different than how Java APIs usually look in terms of how you handle passing in different parameters uh, or the ordering of parameters and, you know, those sorts of things. Or, you know, some languages use snake case and some languages use camel case. And when we design our drivers, we really want to make sure that we do it in idiomatic ways so that uh, developers in whatever programming language are having a consistent experience with the other libraries that they might be using in their application. And that wasn't always the case. I remember, I distinctly remember pretty major differences in the, in the structure of, uh, of queries between several languages. What, what happened to bring that into line? So a number of years ago, uh, before I was on the team, we switched to this process of uh, using what we call specifications. And these are shared design documents that are living documents that define how MongoDB drivers should do different things. For example, what should a driver's CRUD API look like? How should a driver implement a connection pool? Uh, all that sort of stuff. How should drivers discover what the members of a MongoDB replica set are? And these specifications also include shared tests that drivers can implement to prove that they conform with the spec. This provides a much more consistent experience across the languages. Mm. And these are all open source, so you can find them on GitHub. Oh, the tests? Or, or the drivers? Or both? Well, both. The drivers and the specifications are all open source. Okay. Yeah. So beyond uh, just being able to communicate with with the MongoDB server, does the drivers or maybe any particular driver do something that would be all client side and like just heavy lifting that's not done server side, or is it all really relying on the server in the end? Does that make sense? Uh, like what kind of logic lives in the drivers? I guess is what you're asking. Um, yeah, sort of. But is there anything that the driver would do, any kind of crunching that, that the driver would do locally for the, the not the client-facing application because these are server-side applications, but just something that MongoDB uh, as a database would not be doing at the database level? Like formation of the ID, for example. Sure. Yeah. I mean, for, for example, like the, the drivers allow you to create what we call BSON documents. MongoDB stores data in the form of BSON, but, but that serialization happens in the driver. So in the driver, you can construct a document, add data to it, create, as Mike mentioned, an object ID and all that sort of thing. And the driver will do all that processing to turn it into binary data that the server will understand. Would, would there be anything stopping it from uh, or stopping a developer from uh, interacting with MongoDB without a driver then in this sense, if they wanted to reproduce their own kind of logic for interactions? 
nothing stopping them. It would just be a lot of work. Um, but anyone can can recreate that logic. Um, I mean, a lot of people from the community write their own drivers for different languages or languages that we support if they want a driver with somewhat different behavior for some reason. So uh, anyone could write a MongoDB driver or simulate that logic in their application. But the library kind of handles all the pain of doing it correctly for you, which is rather tricky. Mm. And a time saver. And yeah. And well, I mean, there's the whole consistency thing too. So interfacing with your your databases across several languages is greatly simplified when you can use the same methodology. So so that's great. So let's dig a little bit into, into your current uh, I guess book of work around the the Swift driver. Um, tell us a little bit about how that came to be. I mean, you, you talked about how you got involved in it and how you started working on it, but uh, where are you at today and, and maybe what's what's on the roadmap? Yeah, so the driver was originally built for use with um, this software we were developing, MongoDB Mobile, which was an embedded version of MongoDB that would run on device, say on an iOS device. Uh, when we acquired Realm, our mobile efforts shifted over there, but at that time we'd already built the basis of a MongoDB driver that could really be used in a more general purpose way, not just for mobile applications. So we decided to press on with development. At that point, I'd uh, gotten a lot of exposure to the server-side Swift community, and I knew that there was a lot of interest in database drivers for that usage. So we started sort of shifting the driver to focus more on that use case. So to that end, we implemented support for connection pooling. Uh, we made an async API and that sort of thing. So we tagged our 1.0 release, bringing in all of that work back in June. And sort of the next big step for us is rewriting the internals of the driver in pure Swift. So we initially wrote the driver wrapping the MongoDB C driver called libmongoc, uh, because it gave us a really sort of solid core to start with. It allowed us to focus a lot on building an idiomatic Swift API as opposed to thinking about these rather complicated internals of a driver that we've been talking about so far. And um, so that's been like sort of great, but there's a lot of sort of demand from the community for uh, removing these dependencies on C and rewriting in pure Swift and not depending on the C driver will make it easier for us to example add a new feature because we won't have to wait anymore for the C driver to add it first for us to expose an API for it. So it should sort of speed up our development cadence. There's also some, particularly on the async side, uh, we expect performance to improve when uh, the driver is swift all the way down rather than having to cross the barrier into C. Hmm. I'd like to ask, I know Nick, you have another question, but I'd like to ask specifically about sync versus async and where you see the different implementations being used uh, in terms of a use case. Yeah, so in terms of building server-side applications, I think that uh, people are pretty decidedly focused on async there. So sort of the core networking library that uh, a lot of server-side Swift frameworks are built on and database drivers uh, is asynchronous. So... Uh, with that sort of like common basis and language for how all of these libraries interact with each other, it makes a lot of sense to use async. Um, the synchronous stuff could be useful in contexts where you might want to use the driver, not in a 
server-side application, but maybe you're writing a command line tool or you're using Swift for TensorFlow and you want to be able to uh, use data from MongoDB with that. So I guess the use sort of depends on what the other APIs you're interacting with are. If they're async, you should use our async API. If they're sync, you should use the sync one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I happen to use the the sync version of the driver for specifically for that, for building a command line utility, the, the, the blog articles on the developer hub uh, for that. That was the first article I wrote around Swift. Um, great, so that, that helps me understand where async and sync are used. Long, uncomfortable pause. <laughs> I will, I'll, I'll go ahead and answer, ask a question there. Right. I hit the bell. So around demand, because you've you've mentioned this word a few times before, and I and I also have a question around the async and, and synchronous stuff. But what is the demand in general for a server side Swift driver? Because I think it was mentioned earlier in the in the episode that you know when you say Swift, people tend to immediately think mobile. Um, so just curious to know the demand on that aspect as well as the demand on, you know what, who, who's using, uh, async or who's using sync is, is there one being used more than the other? Yeah. So the server side Swift community is still quite new, uh, but there are a number of companies who are investing in it because they are building applications on the server side of Swift themselves, including Apple. They've made a pretty significant investment. For example, the networking library we use is maintained by engineers at Apple. And there are members of Apple and the Swift server workgroup with me. I know that Amazon is also, they've sort of built their own framework, which they use for building some microservices in Swift uh, that they use, I think, in Prime Video. So there's like definitely demand uh, from some companies and I expect there to continue to be more to use Swift on the server side. And uh, to write applications, you generally need database drivers. And we know that a lot of people like to use MongoDB. So it's pretty natural that we would want to have a driver for MongoDB. And there are other also drivers out there for using Postgres and um, MySQL and other databases with Swift as well. In terms of the demand for async versus sync, my sense is that I think the async demand is higher uh, because async has become sort of such a like standard within the server-side ecosystem, and that's sort of primarily what this driver is designed for. But um, I think that there's sort of also growing interest in using Swift for scripting purposes as well. Um, Swift has kind of a lot of nice aspects that make it sort of Python-like as well um, and make it good for writing scripts or command line utilities like Mike mentioned. And so in those cases, uh, the sync driver is there. It's not a lot of work to maintain a sync driver because it's just uh, it wraps the async driver and waits for the asynchronous call to complete before it gives you back the result. So uh, we feel like the benefit of having it around and maintaining it is definitely worth um, the small cost. Mm. And you mentioned briefly the server side working group. Can you tell me a little bit about that? How did you get involved in that? Yeah, so I heard about the Swift server work group for the first time a couple of years ago. Um, it's basically intended, I guess it was actually created about a couple of years ago. So it's, it's intended to be sort of a steering team for server side Swift efforts. Uh, kind of before the 
creation of this group, there are a lot of people sort of independently working on server-side Swift efforts. There was a lot of duplication of effort because, uh, for example, there wasn't Swift Neo, the networking library. So people were kind of hand-rolling their own networking code. People were writing their own crypto code. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, it wasn't the most efficient way to go about building a server-side ecosystem or to uh, sort of ensure consistency between libraries. So that was sort of the idea behind creating the working group. Our sort of primary purpose is to provide guidance to the community. Um, and to that end, we run an incubation process for new libraries, uh, which uh, you can like pitch or propose a new library. And if uh, the community and the work group agrees, it's something that would generally be of value, then uh, the process can move forward. And then projects get accepted to the incubation process and uh, over time they'll continue to sort of receive guidance and oversight from the work group about making sure they ensure their library is compatible with other libraries and follows best practices and that sort of thing. So I actually and started interacting with the work group a lot about a year ago when we decided to pitch the Swift driver to go through the incubation process. And through that, I got to know the work group pretty well and sort of became increasingly involved in their efforts. So it was sort of a natural next step to actually join the group a few months ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And these libraries that are accepted, they're still third-party libraries. It's not as if they're integrated into the Swift family. It's it's just that they now have the support of the Swift server work group, right? Right, exactly. So there are um, a number of libraries maintained by open source developers in there. Some of them are maintained by Apple. We have the MongoDB driver. Um, a lot of the libraries have been developed in uh, association with Vapor, this open source Swift framework that's pretty popular. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so they still continue to be maintained and developed by whoever originally created them and has been maintaining them. Uh, joining or going through the incubation process just kind of gives you this extra level of oversight and uh, people you can reach out to for advice and that sort of thing. And it also adds visibility since we have a list of all the packages that are going through the incubation process available on Swift.org. Hmm. You mentioned Vapor. Uh, um, is there any plan to... Uh, increase the usability of the MongoDB driver within Vapor? Are you working directly with the Vapor folks? Yeah, um, I've been talking recently with Tanner, who's uh, one of the creators, or I guess maybe the primary creator of Vapor, uh, about how we can sort of improve the experience of using the driver with, the va with Vapor. So we've built example applications ourselves to do this, and we have users who are already doing it, but there are some sort of pain points or uh, kind of common boilerplate code people end up having to write right now that we could abstract away. So we're hoping to create a new small library that depends on both the driver and Vapor and would include a lot of the code to sort of glue them together and make it easier for people to get started developing applications. Now, we've kind of wholesale ignored your Rust work. I know you're working on the Rust driver as well. Uh, what's going on in that space? So I'm sort of involved in Rust at a much more high level, uh, just managing the team and sort of overseeing their work and weighing in on designs and that sort of thing. Um, so we have a cool project going on right now to uh, make it easier to use your custom types in your application directly with the driver. So 
for example, you define some struct and uh, that struct corresponds to one of your collections, you currently would have to manually serialize that struct to BSON or to a document before you insert it. Uh, or if you did like a query, you would have to convert from the document to your struct. But people who want to still use the document type with collections will totally be able to do so. But for people who were taking this these manual steps to serialize and deserialize their data types via this library called Serde, uh, they like the driver will be able to handle that for you now. Otherwise, we're thinking about performance improvements and uh, continuing to make the driver more reliable. And we are still missing some uh, MongoDB APIs for newer server features, like transactions. So we'll be working to catch up on those in the coming months. Are there any other features missing? And are you talking specifically about missing from Rust or missing yes, from, okay. from Rust? Yeah. Any other key features missing from the, the Rust implementation? Uh, we don't have explicit sessions yet, and we don't have change streams yet. Hmm. I think those okay. are probably the sort of biggest APIs that people would know about that we don't support. But they're actively on the roadmap and being worked on. Yep. We're putting together a roadmap right now for our next about 12 months of work, and they're all on there. So when it comes to using Swift in production, how are people typically using it because this is a, a at least for me I'm, I'm not too familiar with swift are people using say docker containers to deploy their services are they using special instances up in the cloud uh what's the process yeah i think docker is quite common uh vapor which we've talked a little bit about the server-side swift framework uh has pretty good docker integration when you create a project there's already a docker template file there for you to use Swift, the language itself, also provides uh, Docker images that have Swift pre-installed on them. So yeah, I think generally people are deploying the applications using Docker on Linux. So that's the deployment. What about the development side? How are, uh, let's say there are some folks coming to this podcast, now they're intrigued, and they want to begin writing server side applications using Swift. What do they need to get started? You should probably be developing on either Mac OS or Linux. Uh, people on my team use both, and we formally support both for the driver. So I think that uh, both most pieces, uh, most libraries in the ecosystem are designed to work on both Mac and X, Mac OS and Linux because a lot of developers are using Macs for their day to day development, but they want to be able to actually deploy their applications on Linux. So I got tripped up on this. Um, when I first entered the Swift community and I started to work on my first project, I learned about the open source Swift initiative and the packages available there. They offer Mac packages uh, right on the swift.org site. Those are downloadable, but you don't necessarily need to use those because Swift is available right from, if you're using Mac, I should say, if you're using uh, a Mac, you can simply use Xcode to install Swift. Is that is that a fair statement? Yep, that's correct. So if you install Xcode, like the latest version, it should bring in the latest released version of Swift with it. So in that mm. case, you're good to go. On Linux, you will have to download a Swift toolchain. Uh, there's instructions for how to do that as well on swift.org. Uh, in regards to Windows, though, um, I know that you say that there's no official support. Are you saying that somebody could not go in and say use uh, uh, WSL? Um, or would that be jumping through too many hoops to try to get it working on Windows? Well, actually, with Swift 5.3, uh, 
Uh, Swift now officially has Windows support, though it's still pretty nascent. Um, so we haven't uh, des- like decided to officially support it in the driver yet, since there hasn't been like it's still very new. There aren't really people doing it yet, but um, I think that with coming Swift versions, like interest in developing on Windows will continue to grow, and we may consider formally adding Windows support to the driver. Now, 1.0, I, th- I believe 1.1 is is released now. Are we at, are still at 1.1 on the Swift driver? We are at 1.0.1 right now. 1.0.1, okay. And what what's the plan for lifetime support for the driver versions? What, what are you thinking of in terms of your release structure and how you'll version the driver? So... Typically, we aim to do new sort of feature releases, uh, minor version releases, whenever we have some significant feature to put out there. So we're planning to do a 1.1 release fairly soon because um, we've written a new BSON library in Pure Swift, which is sort of the first step toward the Pure Swift driver I was talking about earlier. And um, so we're planning to do a release of that fairly soon, also bringing in some smaller new features we've added, like uh, some new options you can specify when creating a client and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, um, we'll probably be doing new feature releases as we add support for more MongoDB features. So we are similar to Rust. We're not quite, we're, we have more APIs than Rust does, but we do still have some more new MongoDB APIs or options to add support for. So we'll be doing feature releases with those. We anticipate that we'll be tagging the Pure Swift release as a 2.0. Um, when we rewrite and replace all of the internals. Uh, That's kind of going to be a all-at-once thing. We can't really um, bring in new driver internals like in a piecemeal way via via minor version releases. And and again, the the key benefit to the the pure native Swift driver would be obviously performance. You're you're not going through a stack, um, a a different environment. Uh, Are there any other benefits that will come as a part of version 2.0? Uh, it's a little early to say, but I think that mm. there's a lot of progress being made in the server-side ecosystem now on things like uh, new standardized APIs for tracing, uh, like distributed tracing, and so that people can get more visibility into what's happening inside their application. I think it's likely that by 2.0, we might uh, add support for tracing, depending mm-hmm. on where the APIs are at. Uh, Otherwise, I think that another sort of benefit of NoC is our users will be far less susceptible to any issues resulting from memory leaks. Um, It's a lot easier to write safe Swift than it is to write safe code to interact with C. So so that's another major benefit I see. Mm -hmm. Otherwise... Go ahead. um, Otherwise, I think it's a little early to say. We'll kind of have have to see what happens in the ecosystem in the coming months. Um, I think generally the the sort of big picture of the driver and what we support will be very similar, but there may be some, you know, smaller tweaks and new additions to help with integrating with other libraries and that sort of thing. Are you comfortable sharing a timeline for release of version 2.0? Hmm. I would like to release <laughs> it in 2021. Okay, great. Um, what's the lag uh, time between, I guess it really depends on the on the individual um, features, but I'm always curious about the lag time between 
implementation of a new feature in MongoDB and support for that across the driver landscape? What do you, what do you estimate that would be for, for Swift? Hmm. Well, sorry, I got to think for a minute. Yeah, it's okay. Right. It's a dumb question. <laughs> I think maybe, maybe we just can that no, question. I, I don't think so because I mean, if, if I had to guess, there's probably like uh, tier levels to each of the drivers and wherever they fall in the, in the tier is how fast they'll get the feature, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, I, I think I think it's in general. It's like once you're caught up, like we done we do driver releases with every server release. Yeah. Since we're behind, it's like a little longer. Yeah. Sometimes, how big is sometimes... how big is the team? Right now, there's only one in. The, no, well, it's <laughs> there, there's half of me and half of one other person who also spends half his time on rest. Which, so, which half? Uh, <laughs> So wow, well, that's pretty incredible that you're able to uh, to put something out as high quality as the as the Swift driver is. I've I've had a great time working with it. Um, <clears throat> so I, I want to be cognizant of time. We try to keep these episodes right around thirty to forty minutes, and um, uh, I, I'd like to I guess wrap this up and and maybe what's going on with you at MongoDB is are you I mean, for the foreseeable future, are you going to be working on the Swift driver and the Rust driver? Or what's next for you at MongoDB? Uh, I think I'll be continuing to do this. I, I only very recently moved into this lead role managing the Swift and Rust drivers. So it's still pretty new and I'm, I'm still getting used to that and still getting ramped up on what's going on over on Rust. So yeah, I think I'll be continuing to manage these teams probably hopefully growing my team and getting more people working on these drivers so we can put out new features and releases more quickly. And yeah, I don't That's think great. I'm leaving. <laughs> That's good. Well, I, I, I hope not. Um, I, I enjoy working with the Swift driver. So thanks for that. Now I, I met you at, I think it was try Swift in New York in 20, either 18 or 19. I think it was 2019. Um, yeah. So you, you do conferences and you speak at conferences. Can we look forward to seeing you at a conference soon? I don't have anything coming up. Uh, most of my sort of usual conferences I would go to didn't happen with the pandemic. Uh, when they are happening again, yes. Great. And um, if people want to interact with you, are you in the community, community.mongodb.com? I am on there, yes. You and where else me. can people find you? You can find me on Twitter. My username is K underscore underscore Mahar. Yeah, I think those are probably the best ways to reach me. And you can always, of course, reach out to, if you have a question about the Swift driver, you can reach out to us on the GitHub repo or our Jira project, which is linked from the GitHub readme. We'll make sure they're linked in the, in the show notes as well. Nick, anything else before we close out? No, I think this sums up everything. It was a great episode. Fantastic. Cool. Well, Caitlin, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Have a question or a suggestion for the show? Visit us in the MongoDB community forums at community.mongodb.com.